Hello, Providence friends. My name is Regina. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I would love to pray with you. Good, good and holy God, we believe every word that we have sung. We praise you. We ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us. We ask that you would show us and reveal to us more of who Jesus is. And in this season, as we step through Advent, where we are remembering that you fulfill your promises, you are a God who can be trusted. We ask that you would show us more of who your son Jesus is and who you have asked us to be in this, your dark world that you brought great light to. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. I love the decorations, the music, the gift giving, the gift getting, the general excitement in the air from all of the people who are around you who are also generally excited about this season. And also, there are a lot of people who do not like this season for varying reasons, whether that's because you've lost someone recently and stepping through this season for the first time is bringing up a lot of emotions, or the person doesn't have a lot of family, or perhaps something bad happened in their past during Christmas and this season brings up all of those feelings, or you're not a follower of Jesus and you don't commemorate this time of year. This season can bring a lot of light, but this season can also be filled with darkness. Although all of the things that I mentioned a bit ago are amazing and wonderful and sitting beneath the Christmas tree brings peace and light to the soul, we have Christmas because there was darkness and now there's light. We had long awaited the fulfillment of a promise and then there was a promise fulfilled. Jesus is the light for a dark world. We have light because it was dark. As Christians, we refer to these four weeks leading up to Christmas as Advent. Advent most directly means coming. When I was a child, every Sunday in Advent, we would gather around our dining room table and focus on each week's theme leading up to Christmas. We would light a candle in our Advent wreath um, when each candle would symbolize uh, each week's theme, hope, peace, joy, and love. At the beginning of the devotional, we would turn out the lights in our dining room, and as we lit the candles, we would say together, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we sat, after we said those words together, I always had the part where I would say, why do we light one candle? And my mom would read an explanation of that week's reflection. And we do this every week until Christmas Eve when we got the joy to light the candle in the center, symbolizing that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, had brought the greatest of light into the world. So Advent is remembering the coming of Jesus, and Jesus is light. So really, this whole season is about light. But the light actually began to be revealed long before Jesus was born. We see twinklings of it all through God's prophesying through his people about this Savior we long awaited. 
We begin Advent today hearing a really important couple, about a really important couple that Pastor Rachel talked about a few weeks ago, Zechariah and Elizabeth. The last handful of weeks, we've been talking about their son, John. But today, we're going to focus in a little bit on John's parents, because I think that there's a lot that we can learn about light and God's light in the world around them. Here are these words. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the sight, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After that, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people." This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. I've read this story a ton of times, but when I reread this passage, I noticed something that I had not seen before. Verse 8 and 9 says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So in those days, a Jewish priest was someone who worked at the temple, managing its upkeep, te te teaching the scripture, and leading the worship services. 
And at the time, there were 20,000 priests throughout the country. And so they divided them into groups of about 24, of approximately 1,000-ish people. And this particular time happened to be when Zechariah's division was scheduled to serve. So that's what he is doing. And then by lot or by happenstance, he's chosen to be the one to enter the temple of the Lord by himself to burn incense. And that just so happens to be when the angel appears in that space. Now, I do believe that some things are coincidence. Like there is a girl that I went to high school with who also has a daughter named Evelyn May. And neither of us knew the other one had done that. That's a strange coincidence. But Zechariah's happenstance to be in that space was no coincidence. God was preparing the way for Jesus, the light of the world, to come to the earth. And Zechariah's encounter with the angel was a twinkling of light paving the way. Just after the tornadoes hit Wilson County here in March of 2020, as a pastor of outreach, I became heavily involved with the volunteer efforts directly following. And through a series of events, I ended up as the chair for the long-term recovery group for Wilson County. Our community built so many amazing bridges during that time, but one of the first meetings that we held at City Hall, we gathered together as many community leaders, pastors, and organizations already doing recovery work. As I was listening to what each group was doing, um, we were trying in real time to build bridges to see who all needed to be working together instead of separately and to hear and see where we had gaps so we could seek additional resources and assistance that were available to us. We had a lot of disaster recovery nonprofits present who were explaining the actual science behind disaster recovery. And they were explaining what sort of mobilization efforts our community would need It was a lot of information to take in, but I grew up in New Orleans and our family lost our home in Hurricane Katrina. And so I was able to easily digest what those organizations were recommending. But I wasn't alone. There were two other key pastors from our community who also grew up in New Orleans and had stepped through Hurricane Katrina and they were able to also see, hear, and respond. Do you think it was a coincidence that God placed us all in the same community, having never met in the same room following a natural disaster at the same time? No. God was preparing the way for light to be restored within our community. God's light is not by accident. It is intentional and the details matter. The next thing that we learn about God's light from Zechariah and Elizabeth is that we, God's people, often question it. We're all humans, and through all throughout Scripture, we hear about more of God's people who doubt or do not trust God to bring them through dark times. This story tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful people. They followed God's word. They lived as leaders of faith within their community but they grieved for a long time that they did not have a child. Back in the days of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was seen as a curse on your family to have not born a child. And additionally, from a practical standpoint, it was financial security to have children who could take care of you as you aged. And so I'll bet that not only was there sadness, there was also uncertainty. 
I'll bet even both Zechariah and Elizabeth questioned how God could have made them wait so long or even potentially not provided for them when they were such God-loving people. So it's no surprise to me that Zechariah would doubt how his wife could be pregnant. They'd waited so long that they no longer believed that it was possible. And furthermore, it shouldn't have been possible because of her age. One could even say that this was a desire that they had long since given up on. And in an instant, Zechariah is being told that all of that has changed. You see, even in a lit room, God's people can be blind. And I can relate to this. I've shared openly that it took my husband Jeff and I a little longer than we expected to get pregnant with our second little one, Eliza. And if you know me, you know that I'm not the most patient of people. And I had begun to doubt if we were ever going to have a second child at all. When I did find out I was pregnant, it also took a little longer for me to believe that I was pregnant and to trust that God had brought us this great light and that it would actually come to fruition in this tiny baby. I'm very glad that God didn't take away my ability to speak in my unbelief like Zechariah. But Little by little, over the course of those nine months, I deepened my understanding of trust. I deepened my understanding of belief. And I relinquished control to the only one who is in control. And I'll bet Zechariah learned a lot of that in his season of silence as he watched this life grow in his wife. And Elizabeth could not have been without disbelief herself. Scripture says a feeling of disgrace was lifted from her in knowing that she would now have a child. And what that says to me is that this woman of God potentially felt shame and sadness and embarrassment. And she had potentially been journeying through these emotions for years and years and years until this news came. Perhaps she had seasons where she felt less darkness and light shone brighter. That's how it generally is with faithful people of God who struggle in varying ways. And so, in a matter of seconds, all that disgrace is lifted. I can only imagine that in her humanness, she had moments where her body was having to unlearn the darkness that overshadowed her for so long and to trust that light had actually overcome. There are notes at the bottom of my Bible that give me more information on the story and the history. And one of those notes said, even God's people sometimes make the mistake of trusting their intellect of experience rather than God. Zechariah and Elizabeth learn that God's power is not confined by narrowed perspective. God can be trusted. Have you ever walked into a dark room and the lights came on unexpectedly? Sometimes you can't see right away. Um, the lights come on so quickly and so unexpectedly that your eyes take a second to adjust and be able to see. God's light may be unexpected to you, but God can be trusted and there's more for you to see. The story continues on, and when John is born, Elizabeth is asked to give his name. When she suggests John initially, she gets pushed back from those around her because no one in her family had been named John, and typically you named your children after those who had come before you. 
So the people turned to Zechariah, who cannot speak still, and he wrote on a tablet, much different from the tablets that our kids play on today, and he wrote, his name is John. In that moment, Zechariah confirmed and proclaimed the light of his son. His voice is restored, and he begins to prophesy over this little baby boy's life. He sings, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. What if your dad sang that over you when you were born? I feel like Zechariah definitely learned a lot when God took away his voice, which as a talker is a lesson to me that sometimes we need to listen for just a little while. And I'm going to read verses 78 and 79 one more time. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a path of peace. The God who controls the day and the night had such compassion that he sent his son in human form to be the light for the world around us living in darkness. And people like Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Mary and Joseph, these were twinkles of light paving the path. Have you ever been outside in the middle of nowhere and looked up into the night sky? There may not be a bit of light around, but you can still see because of the stars, because of the moon, the brightness therein, God-given light. Jesus was our God-given light. And because God's light came into the world in Jesus, we are to continue to be twinkles of light. But it is not a light of merriment. It is a light of hope. Recently, I was meeting with a retired Presbyterian pastor named Bob Malsack. And Pastor Bob is a super special guy, but he's especially special to us because he also happens to be the dad of Lindsay Williamson, our director of Providence Kids. I was needing some advice from someone who had been in ministry for a long time. And what I've learned from listening to Lindsay talk about her dad is that he is wise and he is spirit-filled. As we talked, we began to talk about this sermon series. And Pastor Bob reminded me, we don't have Christmas for merriment. We have it for hope and hope is the light. This Advent season, we are seeking to be 
light. And we wouldn't need light if there wasn't a lot of darkness. That isn't a disparaging message, though. It is a message of hope, a message of hope for you and for me, and a message of hope that we are to share with others. I'd love to tell you about some of the ways that we get to be a part of sharing this light, this hope with our community this winter season. And I'd like to invite you to consider how God is asking you to be a part of sharing that light with, of Jesus with others. You'll find many of those ways online at prov.church sign up. But one of our favorite ways to share light is through our Christmas Eve offering. This year, one of the organizations to benefit from this giving will be the Mount Juliet Help Center. Each month, we bring in thousands and thousands of pounds of food for the Mount Juliet Help Center, who serves people in our community experiencing food insecurity. They have a plan to expand their building. They quite literally have outgrown their building, and we get to be a part of being able to help them expand the number of people within our community that they serve. We want to help make this expansion possible. The second organization that will benefit from our Christmas Eve offering is El Porvenir, which is a partnership of ours in Nicaragua. They believe in seeing the people of Nicaragua have access to clean drinking water. They do this through providing water wells, installing latrines, creating reforestation projects, and educating the people in rural communities about clean water and hygiene. And they have three projects in a region called El Sase, where we have gone on many mission trips. And through our offering and giving to these projects, we would bring the percentage of clean water access in that region to 90%, up from under 60% back in 2018. We've been a part of that story already, and our continued giving gets to continue to deepen that impact. I can't wait to share more about these ministries with you in the coming weeks, but I would like to invite you today to begin praying about your family contributing a sacrificial monetary gift towards these efforts. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have the chance to create more light. Our being light isn't about merriment, it's about life. We are living in dark days. We are experiencing darkness. We need light. We need hope. We need love. Not because it makes us feel good or because it's the most wonderful time of the year. We need it because it was dark and now there's light. And we have so many groups of people across our community and world who are experiencing darkness and are desperate to hear a word of hope. I need hope. Do you need hope? I need light. Do you need light? Jesus brought it to us. It's here because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. As your feet are guided throughout your day, I hope you won't leave without deciding how you will give light this Advent season. Beyond the ways that we're seeking to do so at Providence Church, there will be moments throughout the coming weeks where I believe God will show you a bit of darkness. And I hope that you choose to spread light into it, Jesus's light. 
and that it doesn't come from a space of wanting to feel good, but from a place of belief, deep belief in hope, a belief that Jesus's light reminds the darkest of spaces that the love and light of Christ will always win. I sign and end every email the same way, love and light, or a longer version, love and light of Christ. I'll leave us a blessing that is an even longer version. Hear these words spoken over you, Providence Church. May the love and light of Christ shine over you, that whatever darkness you are experiencing, you may know that God's hope will be faithful. God's love and light are intentional. Every detail matters. God's light may be unexpected, but it can be trusted. And there's more, there's more for you to see. And in your seeing, may you know that love and light so deeply that you have no choice but to share it with others. Amen.